Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And I'm glad that I'm back on because I was a little, uh, I was experiencing a little FOMO when you got to record with Sister Carolyn without me. Really? Yeah. That was Sorry. kind of my fault. Like, I knew you were both coming through Lamar's, but I just couldn't make it work with my schedule. Even though you had told us you were wide open and available. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> I'm still going to pull the, the young priest card. I'm not even two years into this yet. You know? How long are you going to learn how to like manage a calendar? Listen, <laughs> I, let me get past that two-year mark and then... Okay, <laughs> we'll find out here. Yeah, as you <laughs> look in horror at the vocations director calendar yeah. that you're putting together for me, you're like, yes. you're going to be able to figure this out, big guy? Yeah. <laughs> mark it down. you got to be here. Yes. We, Sister Carol and I had a great time. Sorry you missed us. I'm it, it, a lot of the cool people. People have mentioned like, oh yeah, like when you recorded with the Swaffords. I'm like, that was just Father Shane by himself. <laughs> oh yeah, like when you recorded with like Father John Nepple from Catholic Stuff. You should know that was actually just Father Shane as well. Um, well, that's because I've been traveling. Well, and in obedience, but if you your leave, assignment requires you to be put, but that'll be changing. It'll be changing. If you if you leave this equipment with me, I can go to all the cool people. That's and right. You're stuck in a seminary. So. Yeah. I'll get the cool people. Except Sister Carolyn like lives down the road and comes to seminar all the time, so she'll probably get to record. Oh, I'm sure we'll be hanging out in That'll St. Louis. Good. Absolutely. Well, you haven't been to St. Louis, Oop, but I said have... absolutely. Sorry. Oh gosh, sorry, Father. Sorry, Taylor. Father Taylor. Um, you can start the counter now for how many times we say that terrible okay. word. Um, you didn't go to St. Louis recently, but you went to Denver, right? You just got back. Yeah, I was with um, twelve high school students. Uh, Lexi, our campus minister, organized a great pil- um, not really a pilgrimage, uh, but it was a mission, mission trip. trip. Out to Denver. We Service were working trip. with the Missionaries of Charity for a day. We were also with the um, Samaritan House, operated by Catholic Charities, uh, which is a, a homeless shelter and, and a soup kitchen. And then we also were working with the Young Adults in the Christ in the City program. Uh, we did kind of a downtown walking tour, examining kind of the, the roots and the reality of what life is like on the streets. But then we also participated in um, one of their weekday lunches. In the park. Yeah, lunches in the park where they, they go out and they, they're serving meals, we, which we help to package and go out and serve them. But giving out the food is not actually their primary mission. They're much more relational ministry. Yeah. Um, and these, these missionaries who come for three months, maybe a year, maybe two, to work with Christ in this city as young adults, they go out and they do their, their walking tours, and they really build relationships with the homeless. They, they get to know them. They see them frequently when they're out and about. Um, and there's a real authentic relationship of support there, getting to know one another by name and accompanying them through the seasons, trying to help them with small basic needs as much as possible, mm-hmm. and also talking to them about faith. Yeah. Um, so it was very powerful. It was a great witness. Uh, the kids I was traveling with, they were really good travelers. They were hard workers. There wasn't any drama. Mm-hmm. They really dug in, and I think they understood the mission well of this this whole trip. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Christ and City missionaries, are all, they're pretty awesome. When I was there in spirituality year, um, we had a guy in seminary who had been with Christ in the city. Mm-hmm. So this was actually kind of funny. He wanted to really keep like some connection going with these guys that he was friends with. We would have, as sometimes happens in seminaries, there's like silence, like grand silence at monasteries do the same thing. Right. So at a certain point in the night, there's grand silence. Well, spirituality year had kind of a retreat quality to it. So a certain point of the after night prayer, I think at 9 PM we had silence 
until after 6.30 a.m. mass or something like that. So <laughs> he, he got this group of guys convinced to ride bikes at like 4.30 in the morning to Christen City from the seminary, which is a couple miles, on the cool, like the Cherry Creek, like bike path is like, you're flying under, it was pretty wild. It's like cold, you got headlamps, doing all this stuff. We'd get there, and then we'd play uh, Night Flight um, Ultimate Frisbee. Mm. Have you ever played that with the light-up yeah. uh, Frisbee? It's yeah. pretty intense. Down at Conception. And that's, so that's already intense enough. You're wearing the glow sticks. But then uh, the guy uh, who was planning this whole thing really wanted to be intense and keep this silent. So we were playing silent uh, <laughs> like glow in the dark ultimate frisbee. How do you play like, silent? You know, yeah, ultimate no, frisbee. You're, you're just like, uh, 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 <laughs> just like, yeah. You can't because ultimate frisbee. If you ever played the basically the whole time, you're just like, hey, don't here, yeah, right here, right, yeah. right. go along, go along. Yeah, everybody's saying that. So it was funny because the other he would even try to divvy up teams without using words. So he'd like oh. use like post-it notes and stuff. It's, and it's in the dark. It's in the dark. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a whole thing. But that was. But then we got to do um, Saturday in the Park with them. That's not what it's called. Saturday in the Park is what's in Sioux City. Lunch in the Park is what they call it. Right. We got to do it a couple times. Um, and it was great because, yeah, the food is just sort of like a way to sit down with somebody and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. And I, what I love about the relational ministry, too, they call them friends on the street. Right. Rather than just like homeless people that they work with. Or something. Yeah, it's not a client. It's a friend. Yes. They have so uh, they have switched parks since you would have known them. So it's no longer by like the Capitol Cathedral no. area? They had to move out of there. The Just the, the rampant drug use out in that park was just really making the ministry ineffective. Sure. And they were, they were trying to deal with it. They were going around and collecting needles on the ground. Um, but it, it just really wasn't working for what their mission is. So they switched parks. And, uh, yeah, it had a nice turnout, and it was a good day. It was great. I'm glad yeah. you guys did that. Yeah, it was awesome. a good mission trip. Well, you were there. Um, I had an interesting experience the other day. Um, well, I think it might have been the day you got back. Anyways, I was talking to these freshmen in our faith formation class. Okay. Doing a little Q&A. I love that kind of stuff. All right. And I've talked to these girls a few times. It was mostly girls, just a handful of guys. So I was kind of talking to mostly the girls. The guys weren't too into it. There was just two guys. I said, okay, tell me. Why would you leave the church in four years when you graduate high school? Because, like, statistically speaking, that's probably going to happen to a lot of young people. So, right. like, why, what, you know, why are you already on the way out? Like, what's going on here? I knew a lot of them didn't go to mass. Boom, hand just shot up. I said, okay, tell me. She just said, the faith is just, like, forced on me my whole life. And, and yeah, now it just feels like something that was forced on me, and I don't really want that because it was, it was forced on me. And I said, yeah, almost as if it was shoved down your throat. And she said, yeah. And I found across the country, every kid who goes to high school, a Catholic high school in every state, it doesn't matter the culture, they will say that same line, oh, the faith is just shoved down our throats. They always say that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this such a consistent line. And then not even just Catholic school kids, but faith formation. But then I think a lot of people, like when you start to talk to them, everybody talks about, you know, like comedians talk about, people on the street talk about how they grew up Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. And even older folks will talk about the nuns who hit them with these rulers and all this stuff. But it's always this same consistent line of this has been shoved down my throat. So therefore, I shouldn't take it seriously and I should be able to reject it because it wasn't anything I choose in the, chose in the first place, right? Because mm-hmm. it's shoved down my throat. So this is how I responded. This is how I want to respond to, to our listeners because I think a lot of us have felt that, especially in a more contemporary culture where there's this idea of autonomy from our families and that we should kind of doubt anything that's come in the past, right? We should doubt anything that, that has been institutionalized. So anything that was passed down 
through the generations because it was the kind of mainstream thing to pass down. Well, that's too basic. And like, we just need to reject that because it was passed down. Like, because it's a tradition of some kind, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing I said is, yeah, we always have to verify our own experiences that we've grown up with. That's part of becoming an adult. That's like integrating our, what we've been raised with into our, our lived experience now. That's, we have to, every adult has to do that, right? But then I kind of turned it back and I said, you know what else your parents have forced down your throat? The English language. Mm. How dare they? They didn't even let you choose. They just let you have this kind of hodgepodge Latin and Germanic language. How dare they? It's so difficult. There's some words that are spelled the same and sound differently, sound the same and spelled differently. How dare they force that on you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't even ask you if you wanted to know Mandarin. They just forced you to learn English, right? So they also forced a certain numeric system on you. They forced you to kind of like walk in the same path as these random Greek guys who came up with these you know, mathematical equations that we're still using today. Mm -hmm. Who who are they to think they could shove that down your throat? They also shoved actual food down your throat. They gave you nutrition and they taught you like how to eat. And how dare they? Why did they let you choose? What victims these children are. Absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. So it's silly when you like mark it out that way. And it's funny because when I started leaning into that stuff, oh, like the science stuff, the hard, you know, like materialistic stuff, that's when the kids are like, well, yeah, of course, because it's math. It's, it's true, you know? And I said, <laughs> how dare they tell you that the sky is blue, right? And this led to just this big conversation about like objective reality, right? And this move away from relativism. But this, there's still this lingering victim mentality that things are just shoved down our throats, right? In reality, I think it's just so good to have a reality check that no, what human beings do is when they raise their children, they hand on what has been handed on to them. Unfortunately, we hand on the good and the bad, right? Mm-hmm. We hand on the bad things that we've picked up over time. We hand on our, our sinfulness, right? Our behaviors. But we also hand on that which is good, right? We don't try to hand on bad things to our children. We're handing it on because we believe that it's good. So that seems to be the move that like we need to be having instead of just turning to this victim mentality and say, well, ugh, this was shoved down my throat. So I'm just going to reject it outright, you know? Well, maybe we should just look at it like we do at English (laughs) language, like we do with mathematics, science, every other thing we learn in school, Mm -hmm. like we do with the cultural norms of how we dress, of how we wear our hair, of brushing our teeth, of using toilets, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. like of our, of our, um, the way we eat, you know, our nutrition. We should look at it like that and say, okay, well, what, what's good that's been handed on to me? And, and what's, what's not so good? What's some baggage that's been unhelpful there? Well, I can, that's helpful, and I completely agree with everything you've said. Um, if we're going to pass things down to the next generation, we ought to be passing down that which is good. And if, if there's just this automatic tone of suspicion that is encountered when you try and hand on the faith to somebody, it's like, well, what's your problem? You, you're, we're welcoming you know, human wisdom and human thought for everything else that is, which is true, beautiful, and good in our culture that we pass down from generation to generation. So I agree with all of that. But I think we could also back up and say, you know, okay, yeah, you claim that the church is forcing everything down your throat, but really? I mean, really? Right, so this, I mean, this particular, this particular <laughs> student who was saying this, I know who's told me in the past, they don't go to mass. Right. Her parents don't even force her to go to mass. So right. it's like, I could point to a number of kids who ought to be saying that their parents are shoving this down their throat, but they don't. They're actually living a really integrated, beautiful life and have verified it for themselves and are trying to live it themselves. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this whole notion of, well, it's just forced down my throat. Well, okay, so maybe your parents forced you to go to CCD or religious education in your parish. And perhaps you feel that the teachers in that sense are are shoving this content down your throat because they're not giving you some sort of like wide open option to just, it's. I mean, it's not world religions. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what kids hope it is, you know. The Christian faith is proposed in these classes. It's not just a world religion where it's just everything else is compared, compared to religions, yeah. But even if it was world religions, say we, say you show up on Wednesday nights and we're offering you uh, Hinduism and Catholicism, uh-huh. take your pick, you know. Even if that were the case, the method of the classroom is not shoving anything down someone's throat. Like, I don't think any faithful catechist is standing up there saying, uh, you will recite the creed to me. You will memorize 16 paragraphs of the catechism, and I will not let you go home until you can regurgitate them back to me verbatim. Yeah. No one's you're doing just, that. Yeah, and you're just, writing, you're just writing a million times on the board, the Pope wears white, the Pope wears yeah, white. Yeah. No, That's all you're writing. What is so forceful about you know sitting through a catechism lesson? What is so forceful about going to devotions or a mass? Uh, you know, so this whole notion, well, it's just forced down our throat. Well, I don't see the real aggression <laughs> that seems to be just terrorizing all these young people. Yeah, and this is family members who left the church. They will often say like, well, what I was taught was this. And I'm like, if anything, you weren't taught that. But I do think there is like a cultural kind of collection of like things that is just like Catholic things that the culture kind of thinks about, like nuns hitting your wrist, like your knuckles with rulers. Even if you had nuns in school and they didn't do that, it's like you almost still say that like cultural like strophe because it's like the thing to say mm-hmm. as a comedian or something. And I think young people too, they even if that's not been their experience, it's kind of like, well, the church always taught me that this and this and this. And it's like, I don't think so. If anything, you had really weak catechesis and don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, rather than like this like, yeah, really like, aggressive fire and brimstone method of catechesis. Um, but even if that was the case, which it's not, as we can see in some people's lives, it's not in mine. I know it's not in yours. Um, that, I mean, how, how else would you describe learning the alphabet? Like mm-hmm. besides it being shoved down your throat, like through memorization, mm-hmm. through songs, I, you never questioned the alphabet, but there's something how this like just suspicion about the faith. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because the alphabet doesn't demand anything from you, but the faith does. Well, that's a good segue to what I was just going to say next, because maybe, just maybe, this whole phrase of, it's just shoved down my throat, it's just shoved down my throat. Maybe just having a very slight reminder of Christianity pricks your conscience. Ooh. And maybe your conscience, that Aboriginal voice of Christ, as Newman would describe it, Maybe your conscience is just reminding you of everything that you were not doing in discipleship of Jesus. Maybe your conscience is just kind of nudging you over and over again to worship your creator, the one who has ordered you to, not ordered you as a command, but actually created formed, you in such a way that you're fashioned toward, you, yeah. that, that you're oriented back towards him. Um, maybe this whole notion of, well, it's just forced down my throat is actually you know, the conscience just constantly saying, begging you back towards um, following God's commands. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going on a limb there. Yeah, Call me crazy. Call me crazy. Similarly, um, I've experienced in the past um, people not living in the church's teaching on marriage, right? Fidelity, so mm-hmm. marriage outside the church, whatever, whatever. Father, we don't want to go back to uh, go back to our parish. We go to 
evangelical church now because they're just all so judgmental at the Catholic church. Really? They're just really, everybody, everybody is just so judgmental. And what's funny is when we talk on like, you know, in our synods and we're talking about maintenance to mission so much, it's like, if I walk into Catholic church, it's like, you would have to look at another person to be able to be judgmental toward right. them. I'm like you would have to actually talk to somebody to be judgmental. I'm like if anything, people are just sitting there in their own little bubbles and they don't like even look at you. Right. You know, so it was the same question. Maybe just maybe they're not judgmental, but it's your conscience pricking you because you know that what you're doing is wrong. You know mm-hmm. how you're living is wrong. So when you go somewhere else that doesn't know you, doesn't know your story, you're not held accountable for like who you are and what you've come from. Right then yeah, there's not going to be that pricking of conscience because it's a, it's a clean start. Mm-hmm. It's a fresh start with new people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the same, same reality, right? It's like we have, we have real conscience um, and we know what's good. Like we know what's good that's been handed on to us, but because from our last episode that we, that we released about the cross being a scandal mm-hmm. because this, the cross is a scandal to the world and because it demands something from us, right? It's so much easier to just reject it by saying, Oh, well, I'm the victim here because that has been so forced on me, shoved down my throat. I had no choice. My hands were tied behind the chair. I had no choice to, to even, you know, spit it back up. It was just, I was just force fed all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that's why, that's why I need to reject that. Yeah. Um, One, I, I, this whole topic of, you know, people feeling like the faith is shoved down their throats. I can relate to that because I, I hear it all the time. I also cannot relate to it personally. I just don't feel like I ever thought that as a young person. And I realize that kind of makes me, a, you know, puts me in a real small minority. Um, but I've always loved history. I've always loved um, tradition. And, and I think that just kind of comes naturally with uh, an attached reverence for maybe the wisdom of, of generations that have gone before you to say, what, what, what were they really excited about and what gave them life and vitality? I think I've just always had a natural reverence for that. Sure. I don't think I went through this big suspicious phase in my adolescent years where I had to rebel against past generations and everything that they thought was true and everything they were trying to shove down my throat. I just don't, I don't relate to that. Right. Uh, And I'm really grateful for that, that there was just this, I, I didn't have to get over a rebellion phase. I could actually just pick up the batons that were being handed to me and yes, still appropriate it for myself, still try and figure it out still try to think, how does this actually work and how does it all fit together and how do I make it my own? But there wasn't that initial rejection and then I had to go back and somehow pick, pick up the pieces. Mm. Um, I, I realized the batons were there to be passed on to me, grab those torches and keep running with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those still trying to figure out why is this torch so important and, and how is it going to really work for me? Mm. I really feel grateful for that and maybe some of our other listeners do too. But if not, you know, we certainly... You want to have the sensitivity necessary for anyone who just feels like this has always been forced down my throat. Yeah, and this the sensitive move is, is important. And like, if I'm sounding kind of like a little edgy, it's like because I'm with high schoolers all the time mm-hmm. who who come at me with like, I mean, as like sixteen year olds coming at me with like a victim mentality. It's like, oh poor, ki- oh poor guy. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, you know. So it's it's tough, but like I can recognize that in myself. I didn't have the kind of outright rejection that some of my family members have of the faith. There was a certain boredom that came with it at some time. But I think for me, rather than like the historical kind of um, like kind of interest that was, that was kind of tugging you along, 
I just had such a, a strong like family connection. I think I've shared before, like my little tiny town, my great great grandparents were buried in the in the same parish that I ended up mowing that cemetery. So there's just a feeling of being really tied to that place and to that parish. And like my great grandma lived to be 101, and she always you know sat in front of me in the parish, and she was the one who was. I just remember seeing her like seeing her praying a rosary and just thinking like, Oh, you're just supposed to hold it in between your hands. I didn't even know what a rosary is for, but Mm -hmm. there was this reverence actually given to, to my great grandma and to my elders and to the family tradition that has kind of come, um, come before, you know, and that's one kind of thing I'd offer just in this, this investigation or just thinking into, okay, well, where do these thoughts come from? Where do these feelings come from that it's been shoved down my throat? So often we're very, um, um, reverential toward our toward our great grandparents if they're still alive our grandparents or those who come before us um we see the wisdom that's that's present in in them and we actually look toward them for a lot of that um and and i I see this with a lot of people who've left the church they'll still point to their grandparents who are very much in the church and and commend that and say well that's so great they're just like such dedicated christians i've encouraged my own students guys you see something that's good there like you like that. You talk about that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you say that they're the most inspiring people in your life. What's holding you back from following Christ, you know, in the same level they do. of commitment as they do. You right. know? That's, I think that would be the move to take instead of saying, okay, this is just shoved down my throat. So I'm going to reject it. No, no, no. What's the good that we actually do see in our own tradition, even if it's just your family or if it's in like the history mm-hmm. um, that's, that's connected us um, and really leaning into that good instead of just leaning into like the angst um, of just trying to reject that which has been handed on. Good thoughts, Father. Well done. Wow. Thank you. And to any of our listeners who have just felt like this has all been shoved down your throat, <laughs> you're welcome to turn us off at any moment, okay? Yeah. Or speed it up to two and a half, or do the half speed because that's kind of funny. But thanks yeah. for tuning in. See you all soon. Adios. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.